0: I'm Marian Kolbasek-McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Joe Meyer, a Health Practice Director at security consulting firm Coal Fire. Joe will be speaking to us about best practices for safeguarding the confidentiality, integrity, and availability of electronic protected health information. Hi, Joe.
1: Hi, how are you? Thanks for having me, Marianne.
0: Thanks for joining us. So now, Joe, in your dealings with covered entities and business associates, what best practices for protecting electronic PHI are most commonly overlooked
1: or shortchanged by CEs and BAs? Sure. Normally, a lot of the... Over uh, overlooked items that come into play is uh, a lack of uh, understanding of scope. Right, so a lot of people think data data information comes in. They come in on paperwork, and they think you know data at rest is always what their scope is. So identifying where all the points of in- ingress are and the points of entry are for EPHI is really key because once again, people and a lot of the covered entities and even the business associates think about data at rest. They never really think about points of ingress because points of ingress have several points to, uh, of stop, almost like a trace out, trace route in a networking world where um, they'll come in on paper, hit a back end server, an electronic fax server, and then by the end of the day, 15 stops later, it's on a server. So what happens is, is if how many times do you think of a stop and go to a dentist office? They always make you fill out the same paperwork, and it's actual paper. That paper then gets either scanned and then or manually entered into a system. That system then gets batched and then sent somewhere else. And now you've got several instances of where this data touches. Understanding the scope of what each one of those hops do is key to knowing where your risk lies. And risk isn't always at the location or the the data at rest. A, A lot of the data and a lot of the risk, especially when we do type of social engineering or we do type of pen testing or some type of engagement, we do scope definition is we find out that 60% 60% of data on average sits in other locations other than its final resting spot.
0: Now, when it comes to safeguarding electronic PHI, what are the biggest challenges in balancing the safeguarding of patient data confidentiality with making patient data readily available for clinicians? Where do covered entities struggle the most with that?
1: That's a great question. Uh, Most covered entities actually struggle with the the, the business need, right? So uh, at which point do I affect my customer experience or affect my customer's ability or, in this case, patient's ability to get the information versus what's necessary? It's almost um, going back to internal controls like role-based access. How much information is too much? I've heard the argument being made, well it's a patient's information, it's you know, it's theirs to have, you can have whatever you have. But at the end of the day, once you're a covered entity or even a BA and you're managing one of that information, it's the amount of information that you actually need to conduct your business that becomes key what happens is if we end up trying to put five pounds of garbage into a five ounce bag and a lot of that stuff never works a lot of it falls on the floor and we end up with ephi all over the place so safeguarding the amount of data and the amount of necessary information that needs to be obtained retained and that kept is going to be key and i think that's where a lot of organizations fail to have that uh that safeguard in place
0: how about data integrity of patient health data? Where are the mistakes made with that? Is it a matter of matching health data to the correct patient, or are there other challenges that healthcare care organizations are struggling with?
1: A lot of healthcare organizations struggle with the square peg into a round hole approach um, they 'll continue this, to shove the, ch- the same type of square peg of information that they get um, by not taking the mitigating factors into consideration, for example, if I only need X amount of information in or to conduct this query against a patient record. Or if I need to do you know, another reference point against, let's say, research analytics. Those entity points or those, those points within, let's say, to make a HIPAA data set are, are never really played into consideration. So they just say, if I just gather as much as I can into the biggest bucket and then I'll parse out which cups I need. And that's one of the biggest issues we have right now is how do you identify Research analytics versus patient analytics, inpatient, outpatient. Once again, going back to identifying scope and what's necessary and what's not necessary plays a key role into really knowing how much is too much.
0: So what would you say are the most important steps or maybe the most important one big step that CEs and BAs can take today to improve the protection of electronic protected health information if they're not already doing it?
1: That's kind of the silver bullet question, right? I mean, I think that's that's kind of what everybody wants the answer to. I think one of the most important things um, to limit it to a thing, I think, would not do any, anybody diligence, but to a concept, I think, is probably key. And I think Choosing what your baseline is going to be, no matter what, as an organization from a top-down, especially let's say in a healthcare hospital situation where you've got primary hospitals, university hospitals, all under the same gambit, you, you need to leverage pretty much what's your baseline going to be? Am I going to leverage a high trust organization type of certification framework? Am I going to leverage this? When am I going to leverage ISO? The executive buying is key. Having the executive and, and kind of the culture change that says, "Listen." You're a nurse. I know that information security is not that big of a deal to you, especially in the ER. Your goal is to to save lives. Leaving a screen unprotected for five or ten minutes because it allows you to affect the trauma real at, at the time is important. But it's somebody on a telefloor that may or may not need that is different. Now you take that same umbrella of healthcare that's under the same guise of a framework, and you move it to a research clinic that may or may not need that information readily available leveraging the controls within each subset of that framework is going to be key as to, okay, Let's make it scalable. Let's make it prescriptive. And then with each one of these entities, our guys, our umbrella is going to be high-tech or ISO, whatever it is. But if you fall into the research and analytical aspect, you're going to do these specifics. And having those spelled out in a procedural and process type of base line, where people can then go back and leverage is key. Because the risk comes down to if everybody hits the lottery, everybody leaves tomorrow, and I have to hire a bunch of robots to come in and do the same exact job that you were doing. Do I have a prescriptive procedure policy and baseline of which those robots can feel and find and conduct their operating business without introducing any additional risk?
0: Often, the sorts of breaches that end up on the wall of shame are lost and stolen, unencrypted devices. Besides encryption, is there any other one technology that is often overlooked or is being underutilized that could make a big difference for CEs and BAs in protecting patient data?
1: I'm glad you brought it up because because this question is is near and dear to my heart. I'm married to a medical professional who uh, who we have this conversation a lot. And I think one of the biggest things of technology is is I I really hate you using the term the cloud because I think the cloud is so ambiguous. I'm still old school enough where I just call the, the cloud the Internet. However, there are virtual technologies out there that now mobile devices can leverage via MDM management or other other ways of of protecting it where you're not bringing the information down to the device locally where you can leverage a session into uh, the cloud or session into a virtual location a centralized location so you're actually you know what you're doing is instead of actually reaching into the window pulling the apple pie out of the kitchen putting it on your lap you're just able to kind of see it through the window and allowing that ability to create that virtualization and kind of that cloud aspect, or at least a central repository that's read-write-only access is key. And the reason why it's this near and dear to me is one of my first HIPAA assessments years ago was for ER within a uh, ED, I guess they call it now, inside of a hospital thing where the, the doctors were leveraging, they were driving and, and leveraging the x-rays and such on their Blackberries. They were downloading them so let's forget the fact that they're driving and texting out of the equation. The fact of the matter is, is the doctor's argument was, I need this to save lives. And I think that's one of the things that we as healthcare practitioners from an information security standpoint need to find that common ground because made too many times I think the doctors and the people don't have the foresight to see the forest through the trees and always leverage life-saving techniques and life-saving abilities as a way to serve circumvent a lot of these unnecessary needs, and therefore they don't look at the other opportunities or the there are options that are out there to do things like centralized viewing of patient records or things like that.
0: Thanks, Joe. I've been speaking to Joe Meyer of Coal Fire. I'm Miriam Kolbasek-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.